Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School from Los Angeles. This is Michael Benner, your host. And this week's program in the Mystery School, in a sense, is a follow-up to the program we did last week on goal setting. We're going to talk about what really is the only other kind of problem there is, and that's decision-making. Let me explain what I mean, and we'll do our best to get all of this jammed into, or at least an introduction to it, into the first 20 minutes or so, which is podcast. But to hear the full expanded version, you're going to want to enroll in the premium training, which in total runs about 90 minutes and is very affordable. You can subscribe to a single class for six ninety five for a little over $4 per class. A 13-week quarter is available. And for the deepest discount, just over $3 per program, you can enroll for a full year at theagelesswisdom.com. And the T-H-E is part of it. So after the W's, it's theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars and podcasts, then on premium training, and use your bank card, your ATM card, credit, debit card to enroll in a matter of seconds, and then watch your email in the coming days for the weekly links for each class. And you can either listen streaming or download. We really recommend that you download the programs onto your own computer as they're posted in the cloud for about two months. Okay, so look for the arrow in the upper right once you get to the box.com cloud, and you'll be able to bring that MP3 right onto your computer. And though it's about 90 minutes, treat it like any other song. If you're using iTunes or any other music organizer, you can store it, you can put it in a playlist, you can drag it to your smartphone or your tablet, or again, treat it just like a song. Now, to take a look at goal setting and problem solving, remember goal setting was our program last week. If you think about it, your problems basically break down into either I know what I want and my problem is getting there, or I have no idea what I want. Well, if you know what you want, your problem is getting there, you start with a goal. And we talked about that in detail last week, setting SMART goals. We talked about the four Ps, positive, present tense, being passionate about the goal, and then practicing yourself, attaining it, visualize it, think about it as if it's a done deal, like you've already got it, even if you're not sure exactly what you need to do. That allows the subconscious mind or you might say the unconscious mind, to work on solving that problem or attaining that goal, that outcome or desired result 24-7, even while you sleep. And all kinds of amazing things happen. The universe seems to conspire with us when we know what we want and passionately believe in it. So check last week's program, either the podcast or the premium training, the full expanded edition for details on solving the type of problem where you do know what you want, a specific detailed goal. But this week, what we mean by decision-making is, what if I've got that problem, that other kind of problem, where I really don't know what I want? I mean, it may be available to me. It 
might be right in front of me and maybe I just don't recognize it. Or I have so many options. Sometimes the problem is a form of not knowing what you want because you have so many choices, sort of like going into Baskin Robbins. (laughs) There's too many flavors. So whether you suffer from too many choices or not enough choices, we're going to talk today about making a decision. It starts with being logical and reasonable. This is the easy part. I mean, if logic were enough, and I'll explain that in terms of what's often called reductionism, well, you probably wouldn't have the problem of making the decision and setting the goal. And decisions include how do I approach that goal, by the way, not just what is the goal, but what are the short-term steps, you could say the means goals, to arriving at the final goal or outcome. And of course, once you get there, you're going to want to set another goal anyway. One of the funny things about consciousness is we're much more interested in getting than we are in having. So once you get whatever you want, it could be an object, it could be a position, a job, a career, it could be a relationship. In many cases, people want to move on and set new goals, and that's understandable. It's part of the dynamics of consciousness. Understanding it helps, but that's just the way it is. Think about Christmas when you're a little kid, that stuff you absolutely got to have often ends up on the shelf ignored by the middle of January. So what do we mean by logic? What do we mean by a reductionist or deductive approach to making decisions? This is the way most of us handle things. Well, I think ordering from a menu in a restaurant is a real good example. You believe that when you look at the menu, you're making a decision about what it is you want to eat. But few people realize that the process essentially is a matter of eliminating what you do not want to arrive at fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer choices of what you do want. Sometimes we just settle. Maybe you went to the wrong kind of restaurant. Maybe... Maybe what you really want is not on the menu. You made a bad decision about which restaurant to go to. But think about it. You scan the menu and you begin to eliminate large groups like, well, I don't want breakfast. I already had breakfast and dinner. Well, that's too much food. It's late afternoon. I really feel sort of like a lunch, maybe a soup, a salad, a sandwich. And you begin again eliminating, breaking it down, mentally crossing off the menu what it is you've decided you do not want until you get down to two, three, four items maybe, and then, oh, what the hell, I guess I'll have the chicken salad sandwich, a side salad, a cup of coffee, a soda, whatever. You just sort of grab from what's left after eliminating what you know you don't want. This is the nature of logic. It is, by and large, deductive. It's very similar to algebra. Algebra is a deductive process. It's the way Sherlock Holmes approached things. It 
couldn't be the butler, and it couldn't be the handyman, and it couldn't be this person. Then they just narrow it down, and then Watson is so amazed. And Sherlock Holmes said, well, it's elementary, a matter of deductive logic, eliminating what you realize or understand you do not want. So that's the approach that most of us take. It is like factoring an algebra problem where you begin with a big long equation on one or both sides of the equal sign and do the same operation to each side. You subtract a number from each side of the equation. You divide or multiply. You do the same operation on both sides so it continues to be equal with the goal of factoring or eliminating, getting rid of elements until you get it down to the answer. That's pretty much our approach. It's not very creative. In philosophy, this is sometimes called a via negativa, a negative way, eliminating what you don't want. And many philosophers think of this as a way to understand our relationship to others, our relationship to God. Uh, Meaning and purpose in life can even be discovered through this via negativa, eliminating what you do not want. So decision-making for most of us is that process, but there are going to be times when we're stuck, we're stymied. That doesn't seem to work for us. Maybe the menu is too small. Maybe the problem is that in life, like in a restaurant, or going to the wrong restaurant. What you want is not on the menu. Or it seems like it's not on the menu. You're just not sure what your choices are. Nobody gave you a menu. How about that? And you're just really not sure. You're all confused. Maybe you have so many ideas competing for your attention, or maybe a complete void or vacuum, as I said before. It could be either one of those situations, or just confusion where you really don't know where to turn or what to do in terms of making a decision. What do I want? I'd be happy to set a goal and move toward it if only I knew what that goal was. Right. So how do I make that decision? Well, when logic fails you, when this deductive approach eliminating what you realize does not qualify and you do not want to arrive at what's left. If that's not working for whatever reason, you're going to have to be more creative. You're going to have to rely on your intuition. And so today we're basically going to talk about different approaches to learning to develop and I would say honor, respect, or trust your intuition. And I'd like to suggest further that intuition is different from instinct. Let's talk about that first. Instinct, often called a gut feeling, is rather animal in nature. If you understand yoga and the chakra system, it's second or third chakra. It's down toward the base of the spine. It's very emotionally oriented but not just any emotion, mostly fear-based. In other words, instinct or the gut feeling tends to be about what you do not want. 
It's fight or flight. It's run and hide. It's go away. It's avoid this. That's your gut feeling. What to run away from. Intuition, on the other hand, has a higher frequency. It's love-based. It's less about the gut feeling than a feeling in your heart or aspiring toward your heart. Again, it has a lighter or more refined nature. And because it's love-based, it's more likely to be about what you do want. I would break it down simply as the gut feeling, instinct, is what you don't want, what you wish to avoid, which, as we said last week, is really not a goal, but often a very important place to begin, (laughs) just to get off dead center and move in any direction, getting out of the jam you're in, that's a good first step, and then you reorient yourself toward what you do want. But again, intuition, more love-based. Think of it as being the heart, not the gut, though many people call it a gut feeling. It's what you do want, and it's what you wish to move toward, what you happily or readily are willing to move directly at, if only you knew what it was. And so that's what we're going to work on developing today is intuition. And I'm going to offer you a couple of different techniques. One we call the spirit guide technique, which is, in a sense, listening to your higher self. Now, it's debatable what a higher self even is. You could think of it as a more organized part of who you are. You could think of it as a transpersonal self that draws on higher brain functions. You could think of it as your better angels, and by that, It could be literally angels or spirit guides above you if you believe in such things, or perhaps your own oversoul, or perhaps praying to a Messiah or a a God figure like Christ or the Father aspect of divinity. I don't think it really matters much if you trust yourself and your own intuitive feelings Whatever your sense of that higher power or higher self, if you align with it, and we'll talk about how to do that in the premium training, if you stand open and receptive to the idea that there's a smarter, wiser part of yourself that does know what you want, that does know what's in your best interest, then often you become aware of that insight, that understanding. It just like crystallizes in your in your mind, either as a picture or as a voice or just a sentience in your body where, aha, that's it, that's it, that's exactly what I want. But another technique that we'll detail in the premium training is dream programming. And I'd like to talk a little bit about sleep and dreams. Now, For the podcast people, we've only got about three or four more minutes here for the free program. Let me talk a little about dream programming and suggest to you that you really need to have, I guess it's not imperative or essential, most people don't, but it really would be in your interest as a listener to this program, one who is intrigued by personal and spiritual development. It's a pretty good idea to have a little... Ritual. How about if I say ritual or ceremony or 
maybe just simply said an affirmation, an instruction set, a few suggestions that you say to yourself as you go to sleep. One of which could be, when I wake up in the morning, I'll feel great. I'll wake up alert, rested, and refreshed, feeling really fine. I mean, have you ever laid down to go to sleep and then thought to yourself, gosh, I'm not going to be able to, maybe it's a nap. Maybe you're only able to sleep for an hour or an hour and a half, and you lay down thinking about how when you wake up you're going to feel bad and regret the fact that you're not able to sleep more. Sure enough, you wake up feeling really funky, but maybe that's less to do with how long you napped and more to do with the attitude and the expectation. What if you told yourself, I'm going to wake up in 90 minutes feeling great, wide awake and alert, refreshed and rested as if I'd had eight hours or more of healthy, natural sleep? You might want to try that. And then combine that with what I would call psyching up for the next day. Tell yourself that you're looking forward to the next day. You're going to wear that new shirt. You're going to have this business meeting that you're looking forward to. And even if it's something you're sort of dreading having to do, uh, go in for a um, critical review or something, or you have to deal with somebody you don't like, imagine it going well, better than you might otherwise expect. And just be positive and optimistic and enthusiastic about it. Put a little smile on your face as you fall asleep, thinking about what a great day it's going to be tomorrow, okay? You can even tell yourself what time you're going to wake up. Look at your watch or the clock on the table next to the bed and see what time it is. Then visualize in your mind's eye a clock set to that very time. And then, again, in your imagination, in your mind's eye, Run that clock forward until it reads the time that you wish to wake up the next morning. 6, 7, 30, 8 o'clock, whatever. And imagine pulling the pin on that old-fashioned wind-up alarm clock that is really just an image in your mind's eye. And effectively what you're doing is programming the subconscious, which has its own clock, its own sense of time, Surprisingly accurate, by the way. You'll see what I mean as you practice this technique. And then put that all together. So when I wake up in the morning at such and such a time, you tell yourself, 6.30, 7, 8, whatever time you want to wake up, I'll feel great, wide awake, alert, rested, and refreshed, as if I'd had eight hours of healthy, natural, restful sleep, looking forward to the day. What a great day it's going to be. And then you can add, and I'll remember and understand a dream that'll contain information to help me solve this problem, to help me make this decision, and then let it go. It's very important that at the end of that set of suggestions, you feel a release, a letting go, like you might feel if you planted a seed, patted the dirt over it, watered it, and then stood up and walked away, knowing that you've planted the seed, watered it, in a sense, turned it over to a higher power. It's out of your hands now. 
or releasing a little helium balloon like you might get at the circus and watching it float up higher and higher, the string tailing after it as it disappears beyond the clouds, smaller and smaller floating away, feeling that release, letting it go, turning the process over to some higher unconscious power, whether you think of it in a psychological, a transpersonal, or a spiritual sense, would be totally up to you. The letting go is what's important. And then with that smile, that sense of contentment on your face, you allow yourself to just drift off to la-la land. And I think you'd be surprised how quickly this works. And in a day, maybe two, maybe three If you did this three days in a row, (laughs) you didn't get results on the first or second day, I'll bet you by the third day you wake up remembering a dream or at least getting a feeling that you know exactly the goal you want to set. You've made the decision. It's occurred to you. It's arrived with an aha, with a confirmation sense, that wonderful feeling of that's it. I know it's it. That's exactly what I was looking for. I can feel it in my body, right? It's light inside my head. That's the thing about intuition. It always arrives as light. It might be the light bulb popping on, you know, that archetype, that image. We sometimes even see it in advertising. I remember a couple of decades ago, Ford had a better idea and on came the light bulb. That's an old archetype for this kind of insight, this intuitive flash. But there's also the dawning of a new idea. Sometimes the light comes slowly, and sometimes you're thunderstruck. It's just as if the top of your head is ripped off, and and there's blinding light everywhere. It's so clear to you what you need to do. And the important thing is to understand The difference between the enlightenment of intuition as coming from a higher sense of self versus the instinct, the gut feeling, which is, oh no, run this way, run that way, go any place, but toward that, just run. (laughs) It's the animal instinct, run away, the herd mentality. And be careful in distinguishing between the two. Most people don't. They use instinct or gut feeling as if it were the same thing as intuition. So for the podcast, folks, that's about all the time we have. For the premium training people, stay tuned. We're going to continue with this. And we also have a program on making decisions from our archive from the Focused Passion, our sister site, from the Focused Passion Archive, featuring... Steve Snyder and myself in discussion about making decisions. And again, if you'd like to enroll, you have up until the next newsletter comes to you. If you enroll between now and the time you get the next newsletter, you'll get a link for this current program, Making Decisions. So go to the w's.theagelesswisdom.com and click on webinars and podcasts, then on premium training. And with your bank card, you can sign up in about 60 seconds and then watch your email. Thanks very much for being here. By the way, whether you're using 
a podcatcher like iTunes or some other aggregator of podcasts, or Stitcher, which we recommend. That's a great service. Stitcher On Demand Radio streams the podcast without a need to download anything directly to your smartphone or your tablet. If you get a chance, would you leave a comment either on Stitcher about this program, what you like about it, sincerely, truly, and honestly, and also in the iTunes store. Next time you log in to the iTunes store, leave a comment about the program. That'll help other people find it. Give it a rating that reflects how you really feel about it, and we'll appreciate that. Truly, truly appreciate that. Thanks a lot for being with us in the Mystery School. Be gentle, love life, take care of each other. Premium people, stay tuned. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.